We continue in a series on the book of Romans called Saved, Saved to be a Disciple. This is the fourth week of the series. The first three weeks is really about the word saved, uh, how we find and experience salvation, how we experience Christ and his death and resurrection, how we find ourselves, as the book of Romans teaches us, justified by faith in Christ and Christ alone. And we talked about that quite a bit, so I want to clarify this where we begin. But we're saved, though, to be a disciple. So now, really, for the next five weeks, it's about discipleship. There's really two things in one. And that is that we accept Christ as our Savior, and we are saved and all that salvation is for us. Our lives are saved. Our souls are saved. We are saved into, into a relationship with God. And that's God's generous gift to us. We simply only say yes or no. And that's our task with it. We bring little to the table. God brings everything to the table in that relationship. Then we're invited, because that's happened, to be a follower of Christ. We must choose that. We must choose to be a disciple, and that is really hard work. It's a lifelong journey of learning what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Today begins that five-part series, the next five weeks, looking at that all around Romans chapter 12. One verse today. Look at all that chapter in the next four weeks and complete this series around what discipleship is. I'm going to give you an idea where this comes from, the word surrender, and also about giving and what gift and giving really is. A number of years ago, my mom and dad, who were still living at that time, invited all their, all their kids to come over uh, for a weekend. And so we arrived, uh, my brother, who's a twin, my twin, and then two younger sisters. And their plan was this. Their house was full of stuff. Now, my mom is, was a collector of things she liked to buy, and she, had, she was very committed to that. And so she had a house full of really cool stuff, expensive things. My mom liked buying expensive furniture and expensive things. She grew up poor, in, in poverty, really. As an adult, she loved having nice things, so she had a house full of those things. My dad appreciated things that came from his family, long-term a, a New England family, so he had a lot of antique stuff. And they also bought paintings and sculpture objects together, and they enjoyed doing that as well. It was a hobby of theirs. So the house was full of really cool stuff. They wanted to give that to us when they died. They wanted to be very carefully done. So they had us go through the house, and each one of us would pick what we wanted as it went from one item. It took all day long, from item to item to item to item. My brother picked first because he's the oldest. I'm 11 minutes younger, so I got to pick second. There we go. Uh, and it was, it was really uncomfortable for us because they're still living. And when we die, you get this. Well, we don't want to think about you dying. Well, we're going to die. You have to get, get over it. So we did. Uh, and when they, when they both passed away, as the years went by, we celebrated their life. Uh, my dad was the last one to, to pass away. Uh, they had in a folder each one of those items, one through however many there was, and we were told, show back up and pick it up, and we did. Got back to the house, picked, this is mine, this is yours, this is yours, yours. It was all tagged, and we carried it home. Now, what we see in that is that th- 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 this, this gift, this, this giving of themselves and their life, lifelong history of these gathering of stuff, uh, they're, they're placing so much value on just, uh, no one else, just their kids. No one else. Just those that they had birthed, 
uh, that they loved for a lifetime, they valued so much, they wanted to give that last value with the stuff that they had gathered, accumulated throughout their lifetime. My wife and I still have much of that in our home that we receive on our walls and our bedrooms and bookcases and various things like that. I guess to illustrate what this text is really talking about. It's talking about giving oneself. Giving oneself to those you really care about, those you love, those you trust, those that mean something to you. It's what life really is about. So please hear that. Now with that context, I want to read Romans 12:1 again and help you understand what it means. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I read that wrong for many years. I couldn't really understand it as a matter of fact. I would try to figure, what does it mean? Is God telling me that, well, that offering myself to him is worship? That if I want to give myself to God, I've got to worship a lot. Go to church a bunch and pray a lot and, and preach a lot and, and sing a lot, and that's what and that's what it is. And I and I, I misunderstood it. It's not what it means at all. What it means is if I want to worship God the way God wants to be worshipped, where it says here that it's holy and pleasing, that means I must give myself to God. And that is my life as a not a dead sacrifice of an animal at an altar in, in Jerusalem, which has happened back then. Instead, as a living sacrifice, which is a life of service to God. And worship, as we understand it, praising God in a service, like we do here at 11 o'clock, is an act of service. It's giving to God what I can give to God. It's valuing God in my life to the extent that I, here I am to say, this hour is yours, God. I give it to you along with all the ways we must learn to live that out. So hear it again. A life of sacrifice to God, giving oneself to God in generosity is a life of service. And service means many, many things. And I'll say more about that in the message before I'm done. So I've got four questions. Uh, these questions, some of them come from a book uh, by Chip Ingram. You've heard of Chip Ingram, and he talks about discipleship a lot. I love his concept here, and so I want to share some of those thoughts with you. Now, now, the, what I'm preaching is not from him, uh, but the ideas and questions come from him, and I, and I like what they say to us. So here's the first question that he asks, and we ask, and I ask. What does God want for you? What does God want for you? What does God want for you? from you. Around the idea of giving, surrender, title of the message today, and discipleship, think what does God want from you? What does God want for you? Around 13 years ago, something like that, we read a book together as a church family called The Purpose Driven Life, written by Rick Warren. It's since sold 20 million copies. You have to read the book. It says one thing. It says God has a purpose for your life. And it kind of tries to explain that. But in the end, it is saying that. That there's meaning and value and a reason for existing around God's purpose for each one of us. And God has that purpose. And I would add that purpose cannot be experienced without surrendering to God. 
not just accepting Christ as our Savior and Lord, which is not that hard to do. I'm a sinner, forgive me my sins, and I want to go to heaven when I die. Instead, it's moving beyond that, saying, I want to follow you, Jesus. What does that look like? And that's hard to do. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John teach much of what that looks like. And the epistles tell us even more of what that's about. And Romans certainly does as well. Surrendering to God as we submit our will to the will of God. The idea of worship in this context is that we value God so much, we want to give our lives to Him. And to give one's life is not a matter of kneeling at the altar and saying, my life is yours. It instead is allowing his presence in our life to direct our values, our intent, our decisions, and our purpose for living every day, 24-7, as you probably already have guessed. It is about that. Jesus called that the pearl of great price. He called that the abundant life. That means that living that life out is what abundant life looks like, Living that life out in the kingdom of God, which we submit to God, is what the pearl of great price is for you and me. How we give ourselves to God in that respect, in that way. Ultimately, in that submission, experiencing God as our Father and we are His children. And there goes back to the story of my mom and dad giving those gifts to us. Us, in turn, having given ourselves to our our parents and loving them for a lifetime which we enjoyed and loved doing more and more as the years went by. What does God want for you or from you? Secondly, why is it so hard to surrender to God? Surrender is the word. Why is it so hard to surrender at all? I think in our culture we are taught and have been taught that surrender is a bad thing or a bad word. We may see it in the context of God as a good thing, but in deep down within us, the idea of surrender is a negative concept for us. We're about winning. We're about strength. We're about overcoming. You know, we're about victory. We're not about surrender. That's admitting weakness or admitting failure or admitting need or admitting that I'm not enough, which is all true, but we don't like to admit that. When it comes to God, we are called and told and commanded to admit that and surrender to our Creator as His children and His people. And so surrender is a negative thing. We have to think about it in a more positive thing. And, and here, here's how I'd like to explain that. Marriage, if you're blessed to be married, I've been married 40 years this year, is a form of surrender. We may not think of it that way, but that's what it is. And all successful marriages are built upon the idea of mutual surrender. I love you so much, I give my life to you. And it changes what I do. Every day my life is changed by that act of surrender. Every choice I make, every dollar I spend, every act that I do, all my life is formed and shaped in one way or another by that surrender in marriage. And I've learned that's a good thing because the value that I receive is far more than the sacrifices that I make. And that's what we're being taught by Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Parenthood is that too, isn't it? Being a parent. It's a form of surrender. We surrender to that new relationship. When a baby is born, comes into our life. When that child begins to grow up, when that child even ages and the years go by, it still involves that sense of surrender to that relationship that we have that has a great value to us. It calls for sacrifices. It calls for giving oneself to that many, many ways. Sometimes easy, sometimes hard. 
But it turns out, well, sometimes it doesn't. But that's what that is. Friendship is a form of surrender. In those kind of friendships, you are blessed, whether one, our group, our community, or, thank you, God, a church. Surrender to those friendships. We surrender to that. Our will and our intent is changed by that new relationship that we have with that. And certainly that's true when it comes to God. We typically like, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, but we may not like where it says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And it involves both things. Surrender is, I've come and received these blessings in this relationship, but also it means sacrifice and commitment and dedication. And again, my will becomes less, and the will of this relationship becomes more. My purpose becomes less, but the purpose of this walk with God and marriage and family and friendships and churches becomes more. But the outcome, the the benefit, the blessing is so overwhelming that as time goes on, that sacrifice becomes small when it comes to what we receive and benefit and blessings from it. Even though it's still always our nature to be in rebellion, we don't like to be accountable. We don't like to submit. We don't like to to do that. We want to fight that. So we fight God. We make excuses. We, We wait and we wait and we wait and we wait, thinking surrendering is giving up, admitting weaknesses and losing our will and what we want. Forget what God's offering us in return, this life with God the way it's intended to be. And that's the second question. Third question is this. Do you believe that God has your best interests at heart? I think many times people in life don't surrender to God because they don't really believe that. They think, I have my best interests at heart. God does not. I know what's best for me. God does not. I know what I need. God does not. And so we resist that submission, not recognizing that God is all wise, all loving, and all powerful, and God is good, and God loves us. When we simply accept that God is good and God loves us, we we are led to, I want to surrender to that. Because he's all wise and he's all loving and he's, he's all powerful. That's what I want to do. It's that kind of conviction, that kind of confidence, that kind of trust. I learn and I'm still learning to listen to those who love me and have my best interest at heart in my life. And I have some of those people in my life. I hope you do too. I hope you have a spouse that's the relationship you have there. Uh, that you have that. Maybe you have someone you work with who's like that. Maybe even your boss. Someone who cares about you and loves you has your best interest at heart. I'm learning and I'm still learning to listen to those people in my life, even though I may not want to, or it may cause me to have to make a change, or I may have to submit to that relationship, or I may simply be irritated or annoyed by their advice. And yet I've learned to, and I'm learning still to listen to those people because they love me and care about me. I want their investment in my own future. And we must recognize, well, God loves us. God cares about us. Should we listen to him and what he says to us and what he wants for us? This God who's given us salvation through the cross and the resurrection certainly symbolize in communion we're going to receive later on in the service today. That's the third question. The fourth question is this. What does the surrendered life look like? This is hard for us to really get a sense of what this is. What does it look like? What does it look like to live a life where I've surrendered to God, surrendered to Christ, where he he has become my Savior, and I've also chosen to be one of his disciples? 
I've chosen to follow him, what that looks like and what that means. That's reflected in my decisions, how I live my life, what I do and what I don't do, and how I have chosen to give my life to God, going back to my original illustration today. What does that look like? What does it look like for me? I can't tell you what it looks like for you because I don't know. It's just uniquely different for each one of us. You're different. Your walk with God is based upon that difference. God loves you, cares about you. God has plans for your life, hurts for your life. But you have to learn what it is for you. I can only tell you what it is for me. What it's become for me, salvation has become for me. It means many things. You know, uh, uh, Scott pointed out earlier uh, that's a picture of me dancing very uncomfortably uh, in Africa. By the way, that went on for about 10 or 15 minutes, which is a long time, by the way, <laughs> to be dancing. And there was music. Uh, if, you, if we have the live sound there, there was music going on. Uh, and that happens a lot in Rwanda where we were. Uh, they will come, in fact, and grab you and make you dance with them in, in the African dance we're doing as we celebrate together. And so, you know, for me, my submission to God long ago was reflected in that moment, which would never would have happened without it. I never would have gone to Africa, never would have been there, never would have experienced that. Uh, and yes, that, that, for me, it's okay, okay, I'm, I'm going to dance in Africa, uh, uncomfortably and painfully, but I'm going to do it. it. That's one of the things that's reflected in, and, and I want you to understand, that comes from submitting to God for me, you know, preaching this morning. Uh, I'm not comfortable really being in front of people, never have been. And so being in front of people and preaching is, is reflected in my submitting to God long ago. And it's led to this. And surprise, surprise, you know. And, and life can be that when you submit to God. You don't know where it's going to go, but it begins there. And we often stop at that place. We say, Lord, forgive me my sin and save my soul. But we don't say, I'm going to follow you. I choose to follow you. What will it look like? Look like many things. Uh, was this week, earlier in the week, I was able to, to write a check to my, to my daughter and son-in-law who had to postpone a flight for some, from, from some difficult reasons, and, and we were able to help with that. And, and I said, I want to do this. I, you don't ask, they didn't have to ask. I just want to do that, and, and I want to write. And, and it's, that's part of it as well. My submission to God includes that act of love for, for a child in a difficult situation. And so I was happy. It was not a sacrifice to give that gift and write the check. So I said, Rhonda, give that to them as quick as you can. I don't want them to worry about that. So that's part of it as well. It includes me. It, it includes Friday where I did Habitat for Humanity. Rhonda and I did it together. Robin Strong, for those that are Robin, she was with us as well there in Fort Worth. And we spent a day uh, with hammers and, and, and uh, staple guns. And I spent some time on a roof for a while until I talked to a college kid into taking my place. He's more than happy to do it. I went back to the ground where I felt much safer and did my work there. You know, I'm not a construction person, not good at that at all. But somehow... Submitting to God years ago ended, ended up resulting in that moment there that day, spending Friday my day off, my wife Rhonda doing work in a Habitat house. It involved doing a funeral on Friday morning, I mean, a Saturday morning with a family, sharing that time with them and preaching that service, being with that family. It reflected in that. That's, but that's submitting, for me, that's submitting to God. Uh, habitat submitting to God, Rwanda dancing submitting to God, you know, or that text submitting to God. But it also included, you know, putting a, a bunch of. Uh, uh, angels and boxes on a, sh a high shelf in our closet for my wife. Anything high in my house, I get to do, if you know my wife Rhonda. So uh, I did that. It involved taking the trash out. You know, I'm learning. That's submitting to God, too. It's all part of my picture of life that I've chosen. Following Christ includes that. 
It includes that. It even included going with some friends to see Guardians of the Galaxy on Friday night. Not that bad of a movie, you know. The good guys win. I was like when the good guys win. You know, it included that. I, I, I'm trying to get to flesh out a picture of what it is to be a follower of Christ, to submit to God, to know what it is to offer life as a sacrifice to God, to live that out as that's what worship is. So that's the kind of worship that's pleasing to God. This hour and all that, and where God calls us in a very simple way, what does a surrendered life look like? Now, I told you what it looks like for me in a small snapshot of that. What does it look like for you? You decide that. Well, years ago, my mom and dad brought us together and said, let's go for the house. Uh, we, want, we want to give our life to you. We want to have it done before we die and have it all taken. We know who's going to get what, when, where, how. It makes us feel good to give that gift, you know. And we accepted that because they love us. And now it's our task to choose to give our lives to God and what that means. We are saved to become disciples of Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me, please? Father, we thank you for what you give us today and every day. What you're about to give us in the sacrament of Holy, Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper. And our opportunity, God, to give our lives to you. In, in, in life, you give us everything. We choose now to give that life back to you in the form of discipleship. And so we pray in Jesus' name, amen.